Pastor Chris's podcast. Gracious Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be worthy and pleasing in your spirit. Through Christ, Lord, we pray. Amen. I want to read today from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, the great vision of God's ultimate plan for eternal life, the new heaven and the new earth, from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard the loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. To all who are victorious, will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Revelation 21 gives us a vision of God's ultimate plan for humanity and all creation. Most people are only thinking, in this life, most people are only thinking, what's next? What happens after we die? Will I go to heaven? But God's plans are much grander and far-reaching. Ultimately, God will restore the original vision he began when he created the world way back in Genesis chapter 1. God will create a new heaven and a new earth for the old Heaven and earth will pass away. And the great shout of Revelation 21, 3 will come true. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. God's redemption is not just for people. God will redeem all creation. The animals and the trees, the plants, all creation will be renewed. We will live in peace and harmony with all the earth, just as it was when God first created Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden to live without any fear of shame or suffering. And Isaiah eleven six foretells how it will be. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and a little child will lead them all. What a beautiful vision. What a beautiful vision of eternity. And I had several questions as I've been asking for you to submit questions uh, for us to look at on Sunday mornings. 
I had several questions that came in about heaven and the afterlife and wanted to address those today on All Saints Sunday. And I think it's especially appropriate this day as we honor those that we have loved who have gone on to be with the Lord in eternity. And so the first question I want to look at is this. How does God decide when to call people to heaven, young or old? God is sovereign. That means that God has the absolute authority and absolute right to do whatever he decides. First of all, this is because God made us. We are his creation. Secondly, he has the absolute right and absolute authority to do whatever he wants because he rescued us. When we were already dead because of sin, God came and rescued us. And the only thing enabling us to draw a single breath is the providence and protection of God. That being said, God allows us the freedom to live autonomously. In other words, we get to make our own decisions. We get to make our own decisions. We can choose to live a clean, healthy life, which tends to lead to a long life. Or we can smoke and drink and do drugs and we can eat two pounds of bacon every day for breakfast and cake for dinner every night. That's your choice. That will probably lead to poor health and an early grave. But it's your choice. God gives you the freedom. Furthermore, others have choices too. People choose to get drunk and drive and crash into innocent people causing untimely deaths. Big corporations often choose to pollute our earth, favoring short-term profits over long-term environmental health for our communities. How many cancers and tumors and other life-threatening health problems come on to otherwise good people because the world around us is more interested in making money sometimes than they are in keeping our world safe and healthy and clean? Our world is broken. Because of sin. It doesn't take much smarts to look around and know that. Sometimes God calls a person home to heaven. Sarah Brooker may be a perfect example of that. Here's a woman who lived a long, full life serving the Lord. She touched so many. A lady who fulfilled God's will for her life to her last day. A lady who wanted to go to heaven and longed for it for at least the last 10 years. She talked to me about it many times. Chris, why? Why doesn't God just take me home? I say, I don't know, Sarah, but I guess he's got a reason for you to be here. And although she wanted more than anything to go home to the Lord in heaven, she stayed and she always did. She never retired. She always did the best that she could do with what God gave her. To show the love of Christ to everybody that she met. She endured her body growing old. She endured her mind growing old. And all of those things. Even though she would have chosen to go home. She felt like God had her here for a reason. Up until the end. Then and only then. Once she knew that everything was going to be alright. Her kids were going to be alright. She realized that her work for the Lord was done. And the caretaker said. She said, I'm tired and I'm ready to go home. And she laid her head back and the Lord called her home. 
Sometimes the Lord does call people home. But we need not assume that every person who dies was personally chosen by God to die at that moment. I think that's a wrong way of thinking. Sometimes that's the way we act and we talk, but I think that's a wrong way of thinking. God can choose when a person goes to heaven, but more often than not, I think it's our own decisions or the decisions of others around us. And I think we need to be extra, extra careful when we claim that God is the one choosing every single person's death and every single moment that they will die. I'm not going to blame God for a man who dies of a heart attack when that man has been repeatedly warned by his doctor that he eats the wrong kind of food and too much of it and doesn't get enough exercise and his cholesterol levels are through the roof. Am I going to blame God when that person dies of a heart attack? Or am I going to say that guy didn't take care of himself the way he ought to? And his decisions led to the moment that he had to pay the price for that. I'm not going to blame God for the death of a girl who got hit by a drunk driver. I don't think that was God's will for that girl to die at that moment. Now, God will take that and he will use that and he will call her home early or whatever you want, however you want to put that. But it was a bad decision for that drunk driver that ended that girl's life. God created the world. But then we took over. And we've been running this place for thousands of years by our own rotten decisions. And I'd rather blame anyone than God for this mess that we see around. And to the original question then, how does God decide when to call people to heaven? I think he doesn't have to make that decision very often. I think usually we make that decision ourselves. In one way or another. And sometimes when God does specifically call a person home, it's an act of mercy. But as we think about that question, God has a question for you today. What do the decisions you make in your life today say about when you will be going home? How are the decisions you're making today affecting when someone else might go home, whether it be young or old. Another question that came in is, what do Methodists believe about the rapture? What do Methodists believe about the rapture? The rapture is a term some Christians use to describe a future event when Jesus Christ calls all Christian believers, both who are alive and also those who are resurrected, resurrected dead believers, he calls them up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The rapture, the idea of the rapture is based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, where it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Now, some Christian denominations, some Christian groups place more emphasis on the rapture and the end times than others do. My grandmother, 
Um, the, the older she got, the closer to death she knew that she was, the more interested she was in the rapture and study about the end time. My grandma was always a godly woman and knew the Bible front to back very well. But as she grew older, um, and as her husband grew older, she, she really didn't want to die. She hoped for herself and for her husband that Jesus would come back the second time and that she would, be, get, she would get to be one of those lucky few that would be called up and would be raptured up and would meet him in the air um, and didn't have to taste death. Unfortunately, that wasn't how it turned out for her, although that's what she wanted. She, her body eventually wore out and she died in 1994. And five years later, uh, my grandfather died in 1999. And they're in heaven with God now, with Jesus now. Methodists don't have a, an official doctrine about the rapture or many other end times concepts. Um, not an official teaching on it, other than to say what we say in the Apostles' Creed that we said this morning. We believe Jesus will come again to judge the quick and the dead. We believe Jesus is coming. We believe that Jesus is coming and the scriptures say that he's going to call some people up to meet him in the air as he comes. We do believe that. But most Methodists believe in that rapture, but we tend not to be as concerned about the end times as we are about the present times. In the Methodist tradition, we are looking at what is going on right now and what do we need to do right now? We want to live our lives for God right now, sharing the love of Christ with as many people as we can, as often as we can, in as many ways as we can right now. We believe that if we do that, if we trust in God and live our lives according to his ways, we will be ready whenever and however the end comes. So that's kind of what we believe about it. Now, God's question for you then is this. Are you ready? If Jesus were to come today, if the rapture were to happen today and all of God's people were being called up into heaven, would you be ready? Are you living your life today in such a way that if Jesus came back today, he would look at you and say, you are a good and faithful servant. Another question that I want to answer is. Will I recognize my family in heaven? Will I recognize my family in heaven? Yes. Yes, you will. Absolutely. In fact, Here's the thing. I believe you will recognize them better then than you ever did here. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Paul, the apostle, said this. He said, now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. You think about how God looks at you and knows you to your heart, to your core. Do you believe that God knows you better than your spouse knows you? Absolutely. And guess what? When we are with the Lord in heaven and our broken Corrupt eyes have been replaced with the perfect ones God has in store for us. We'll see people in a whole new light. Literally, we will see people in a whole new way. 
You know, um, back in the day before they had caller ID, now, you know, if somebody calls you now, you see their phone number, you see their name pop up on your telephone, and you know who it is before they even say a word. But it hasn't always been that way. And uh, my brother, my older brother and I, we look pretty similar and we sound really similar. And so sometimes I would call my mom on the phone before we had caller ID and she would answer the phone and she would say, well, hey, Nelson, how you doing? And just because me and my brother are both smart Alex, we'd just go along with it. Because sometimes she'd, he'd call her and she'd say, well, hey, Chris, how you doing? And like I said, we just practical jokers. We'd just go right along with it. And I'd say, well, Mom, I'm doing pretty good. And I'd go along with her, let her think I'm Nelson. And that might go on for two minutes before I'd finally start cracking up laughing. Mom, it ain't Nelson, it's Chris. She, didn't, she never recognized me, right? But when we get to heaven, guess what? That ain't going to be a problem. We're going to see people for who they really are. You remember in the Garden of Eden? Do you remember what Adam and Eve were wearing in the Garden of Eden? Nothing. <laughs> it says that they were naked, but they didn't feel any shame about it. They, they didn't feel any vulnerability about it. And one day, you know what? I don't want you to see the deep down inside parts of me. I don't want you to see me today the way God sees me, right? You understand what I'm saying? There's some things in there, down deep inside, I don't want you to know. And you've got things like that too, probably, don't you? But one day when we're in eternity, God's going to make me perfect. And there's going to be absolutely nothing to hide. And you're going to be able to see into the center of my soul and know who I really am. And I'm going to know that about you too. And you're going to know that about people that you love that have gone on to be with the Lord. That's how we're going to see each other in heaven. And yes, we will recognize each other. As a matter of fact, we'll be looking at each other thinking, I never knew you on earth like I know you now. Praise God. God has a question for you too today. How do you recognize your family and friends today? Do you see them mostly for what they look like on the outside? Or could you look at them in a deeper way and recognize something new about them that you had missed before? One last question is fitting for today since we're celebrating Holy Communion. Someone asked, what am I supposed to get out of Holy Communion? What am I supposed to get out of Holy Communion? And I thought about that, prayed about that, looked at Scripture, and I came up with four things that I want to share as an answer. First of all, Holy Communion is an opportunity to do something that Jesus asked you to do. Jesus asked us to celebrate communion in remembrance of him. Now think of someone whom you have loved, who has died. Suppose they asked you to do something just before they died. Something simple, maybe a simple ceremony that you should do often to remember them. You know, maybe, maybe she said, hey, take care of my roses out in the garden. If someone you love told you to take care of her roses out in the garden, wouldn't you do it? Wouldn't you be out there all the time making sure that they were watered and fertilized and the, the weeds were all pulled up and that garden was kept beautiful just like she wanted? Well, Jesus whom we love, said, take and eat and drink and remember me. And that's what we do. It's a simple thing. 
Number two, Holy Communion is a chance to commune with all of the saints, all of the believers of Jesus Christ, both living and dead. As we gather around the Lord's table, we remember him and we remember his sacrifice. And so do all the other saints gathered with us. How this happens is a mystery. But we allude to it every Sunday as we recite the Apostles Creed and we say we believe in the communion of saints. So somehow, as we gather to celebrate Holy Communion and we remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us all, as we do that, we gather with even the saints that are in glory who are remembering God's sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number three, Holy Communion is a chance to commune with Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus was crucified, but we believe that he rose again. On the third day, Jesus is not dead. He is alive and he is with us as we celebrate communion. I know I know Jesus is with us always. Right. He's with us all the time. But somehow through Holy Communion, he opens our hearts in a special way so that we experience his presence with us in a way that we don't experience it as well at other times. And so I encourage you as you take Holy Communion to seek to know Christ's presence with you as you kneel at the altar, as you take the bread and the wine and you consume it. Jesus is with you. Be with him. And lastly, Holy Communion is a sacrament God uses to pour his grace out into our lives. Grace is God's undeserved love and favor. Through Holy Communion, God strengthens and equips us to live as his people. Just as food nourishes your body, God's grace imparted through Holy Communion nourishes your spirits in a special way so that you can live as God's people.